Good morning. Or just about. Bring our conversations to a close. Wasn't that so great? Just celebrating mothers and women and uh, just being with you guys again. So I was at Widdy Castle this morning, which was, yeah, it was her first time being there uh, on a morning and it was great. Um, and then I rushed back over here and then seeing that you guys were mid-worship, worshipping God. But what I think, one thing I did notice is that there was no, or haven't seen it, a bacon sani for me. I did make a request that there'd be one saved for me. So um, I'm not going to mention any names, but I'll have a look down there and see if there's anyone spare. Um, today is the fifth in our series of the 40 days with Jesus. And um, I want to take you back a little bit, yeah, a few years ago. And uh, oh, I've got two glasses now. Thank you so much. I'm going to need this. I'm going to drink a lot of water and uh, I struggle. But this is a few years back and myself and my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, had been dating for two and a half years. And you know what? I was ready to take the next step. So I spoke to Emily's dad and he said, oh yes, Isaac, you're a good man. (laughs) Tick. I went out and bought her a ring, which she now loves. Uh, For me, that was a tick. Um, But, you know, I thought, how am I going to propose to her? And um, I thought together of a plan of action of how I was going to propose to her. And so I decided that I was going to propose to her at one of the tallest buildings in London. Everyone say, ooh. Ooh. Just so I know you're with me, sorry. (laughs) One of the tallest buildings in London. You know why? Because she was the pinnacle of my love. (laughs) We'll keep it moving, we'll keep it moving. Yeah, so the building that I was going to propose to her is called the Walkie Talkie Building or 20 Fenchurch um, Street. And you know what, I had never been there prior to this. Oh, there's the picture, great. I'd never been there before this, but on the 38th floor is a classy rooftop restaurant. And I managed to book the best seats in the house. <laughs> But you know what? We had to get there. And I don't know if you've ever been to London or experienced London during rush hour. It is terrible. You know, I'm a Londoner and living in Birmingham, actually, I appreciate that there's no tubes here. I love it that I don't need to get on a tube with all the hustle and the bustle. And um, on our journey, we were crammed like sardines. And there I am with my ring in my pocket, uh, checking every five seconds that it's there, that I've not been pickpocketed or anything like that. By the way, Emily did not, knew, did not know what lay ahead. Uh, she was none the wiser. Um, for me, I was like a swan on top of water. Very royal and elegant, but underneath the water, there was a lot of that going on. But I had to stay calm, cool, and collective. That is until we got to the skyscraper. And you think, okay, what happened next? I saw a metal, t- a metal detector, and I thought, oh gosh. The game is up now. After all of that, ticking the boxes, and I'm starting to panic. I'm thinking, oh, the mission is about to be busted. So I insisted, Emily, you go first. And in that, so she wouldn't see my jacket go down or, you know, going through the conveyor belt. And she said, oh, no, no, you go first. I said, Emily, let's stick to the plan. Although she didn't know what the plan was. You go first and I'll go after you. So I removed everything that was metal from me. Um, and I placed my jacket with the ring inside my pocket in a tray on a conveyor belt. So I walk through the metal detector and everything's fine. I'm like, yeah, 
close, but I know that my jacket is about to go through. And surely enough, as my jacket is going through the metal detector, it flashes red. And I was like, oh no, it's now all over. And Emily looks over to the guy who's on the scanner machine, but then he looks at his, he looks at his colleague and he shouts, we've got one of them, mate. He says to me, um, sir, would you like to take your belongings and carry on and have a lovely evening? I thought, wow, yes. But Emily, in her confused state, had to question him. She said, wait a minute, why did it go red? And I'm panicking like, let's just stick to the plan here. He replied, oh, it just happens from time to time. I was like, yes. Yes, it was at that point that I realized that he knew that I was on a mission and he knew about the mission. And I was like, yes, you get the mission. And I said, you know what? If I could have, I would have given him a high five or given him a bro hug. But you know what? We kept it professional. We just nodded heads. We said, you know, I went up into the 38th floor at this lovely restaurant. We had a lovely meal and I popped the question. And we have been married now for six years, and it'll be seven years in August. I'd like to say, <laughs> mission accomplished. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to try and do any more missions like that. That was just really yeah, terrifying for me. But we're, today we're talking about mission, and the title today is Made for Mission. You see, this subject of mission was central to Jesus' interaction with his disciples, we read uh, in, of the, after his resurrection, he appeared to his disciples on multiple occasions. And right away through the 40 days of Jesus, uh, 40 days with Jesus, um, we've heard of different encounters that he had. And there was this one encounter which I'm going to bring up today, which is in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And it's now known as the Great Commission. We see this was central to the mission of Jesus that he had given to his disciples, both then and now. So I wonder if you've got your Bibles with, uh, with you, whether you could uh, turn them on or open them up to Matthew 28. And I'm going to read verses 18 to 20. Oh, it's on the screen. Great. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, I want to highlight three aspects of this life mission that Jesus has given to his followers at the time. And he's given to us now. The first one is the source of our mission. The source of our mission is Jesus. It's the earlier slide, the blue one. The source of our mission is Jesus. And if we are to find out our true mission in life and discover the ultimate reason for why we are created, we have to go back to the creator. Amen? You can't just look within yourself and look in the mirror and say a hundred affirmation words and find out who you are. But you have to go to the creator. And this is highly significant for the disciples as Jesus commissioned them to know that he is the source of their mission. Jesus says in Matthew 28 and 18, 
all authority has been given to me. First thing, it's worth noting that Jesus' authority was given to him by his Father, who is the creator of heaven and of earth. Jesus was the man who was anointed, who was crucified and now risen, and also the divine Son of God. He had received authority both as a Son of God, but also from God the Father. Secondly, notice the extent of his authority. It's a universal one. When Jesus was around his disciples, um, they would have seen him healing the sick. They would have seen him raising the dead, which would be, wow, amazing to see. Um, and they, they've seen lots of signs and miracles. And um, they would have thought, oh, well, you know, Jesus got authority here in Jerusalem. He's got authority over Israel. But we read that Jesus has authority over all things. That's a universal. So in heaven and on earth. The implications of this are huge. In the context of the Great Commission, it highlights that Christ alone has the true authority over all of creation. And this is the assurance that he gives his disciples that when they went out to share the good news, and also when we go out to share the good news, it's not in our own authority, but it's in the authority of the one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Secondly, the goal of our mission is to transform lives, to see lives transformed. In Matthew 28 and 19 to 20, it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You see, the main clause in that sentence was a call to go and make disciples. Go make followers of Jesus. And the subsequent, subsequent clauses are, go, baptize, and teach. Now, we're going to look a little briefly at the going. How do we go? At the very heart of our life's mission is the call to go and see others transformed. And one of the best ways of summarizing our going and how we do it is in three W's or three words. Works, words, and wonders. So first, I'm going to focus on works. We are called to go and reach people for Jesus through our works. And earlier in the gospel, Matthew records the famous Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus made one of the remarkable statements to his disciples. Matthew 5, 14 to 16. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The point is clear here, isn't it? That since we are the light, we must let our lives shine through our lives. That others would see our good deeds and praise God and serve him just like we serve him. You know, one of the, often one of the ways that people are attracted to uh, the gospel is through our actions. It's through how we live our life, what we do. Um, people see us, and they always seem to be inspecting us, um, but they look at us and see how we do life. And that's one of the best ways of showing what God has done. Now, I don't want us to get so caught up in just our works, 
Because it's not just about your works. And the Bible clearly tells us that it isn't our works that gets us saved. It's not our works that brings us to Christ. Because he has done all the work. He's finished the work. But because he's done the greater work in us, it just overflows. That we just want to do good. And we want to do what God has called us to do. But we must not stop there. I did say there were three. The other were, or W is words. As we live the life and do good works... This will open up opportunities for us to speak words into people's lives uh, concerning the good news, but also about our lives. And, you know, I must I say we've got good news to share, but we mustn't keep it to ourselves, but we should tell others. Now, why? Because it's only through hearing the good news that people can believe and be saved. You know, often the best way to speak about Christ is first to share your story and then you get the opportunity to share his story. Now, recently, I've been on social media, and um, it's quite funny how I'm going to say this, but ads have been popping up, and they've been about hairy growth. Now, I feel like I've got a bit of a fuzz on top of my head where I'm not losing the strands, but it always seems to pop up for me uh, in the last two weeks, and I don't know what conversations I've had. You know, sometimes your phone listens to your conversations, if you're a conspiracist, but um, there's been adverts popping up and there'll be this advert of a guy, you know, he's sort of uh, late 20s and he says, oh, my name's Joe and uh, this is what my hair looked like in week one and now this is what my hair looks like now in week six. And you know, we've heard them all, haven't we? The amazing beauty products that are meant to transform our look or this new fasting uh, dieting tool which is going to help us shed the pounds. These are transformations that we see in our world today. But I'm sure you agree with me this morning that there is no better transformation of all than the one that Christ Jesus brings. So what I can do, encourage you guys to practice telling your stories and seek opportunities to share his story, who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how we can be saved. You know, you might be sat here now and it might be a confidence thing and I'm going to pray at the end for that. I don't want you to compare yourself. It's not about comparison. But you know, God used us in our specific places, wherever we work, where we are at school, at university. Um, he creates these opportunities for us. Thirdly, the last W was, is wonders. Uh, as we do good works and we share life-giving words, we can expect God to confirm his word through signs and wonders. And this might be through healings, miracles, or words of knowledge that help people cross over the line more quickly. Now, last week I was, well, not last week, two weeks ago I was interviewed for a minister training role within Elim. And in the weeks leading up to it, um, I learned about the history of Elim. So it's not a very long history. It's about just over 100 years. And um, it spoke of the ordinary men and women that God used. And they saw his message confirmed through signs and wonders. So firstly, we're called to go and make disciples. Then secondly, we should be baptized. Now, baptism isn't just the way that you become a Christian. But it's a sign that someone has become a Christian. And we see this right the way through the New Testament, that it was a vital next step for somebody who had repented and believed. Now, a little bit about my baptism story. 
Um, I remember being baptized as about 18 and um, going up forward to get baptized. Set in my heart that I wanted to get baptized. And my church was a little bit like Weedy Castle, so we had about 50 members, so we joined a bigger church who were doing baptisms. And wow, we, it was in front of about 800 people. Um, and uh, I wasn't ready for that. However, I did do the baptism class. But there was one thing that was missing in my baptism class, or at that point, that they never told me what to wear. Now, for me, um, I don't know what came over me, and I do remember my mum challenging me, um, but uh, I had a white T-shirt, and I had pyjama bottoms on. Uh, And do you know what? It was not a good look. But it's one of those baptisms that will remain in my mind forever. And I will never, I will never forget that. You know, baptism is, whether you're wearing your pajamas or not, is a public stand on confessing yourself as a follower of Jesus. And it's also a, an obedience, an act of obedience. I want to encourage you that if you are here today and you've come to faith quite recently, or you've been on a journey for a long time, that baptism is a great way of expressing your faith in Christ. Thirdly, we see ourselves that we are instructed to teach. The commission says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is about a lifetime instruction in life. Change. In other words, once you see someone come to Christ, your job has only started. And mums will testify of that today, that when you give birth, it's only the beginning of a long journey. If the commission to make disciples and to go and get people baptized and teach all sounds a little bit daunting for you, I want you to take heart and know that you are not left alone. Jesus finishes the Great Commission by reminding his disciples, both then and also now, that his presence is the power behind our mission. That's number three. The power behind our mission is his presence. One of the greatest blessings of following Jesus and one of the greatest lessons that we will learn over the, next, the 40 days that we have been doing is that because Jesus is alive and now and present in, his world, in this world by his spirit, we never need to feel alone. So in the first chapter of Matthew, we read that Jesus is our Emmanuel, God with us. And we're reminded again at the end of the chapter that Jesus makes his promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know, in making this promise, Jesus was looking forward to his ascension at the end of the 40 days. And there would be an outpouring of his Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Amazingly, we can say that we live in a better age than the disciples did at that time. They had Jesus presently with them. But for us as New Testament believers, we have his spirit, which is his presence. The Holy Spirit is here with us. You know, and Jesus said to his disciples in John 16 and 7, But I tell you the truth, it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So just before his ascension, Jesus makes this remarkable promise to his disciples. It's found in Acts 1 and 8. Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem and beyond. That's just me paraphrasing it there. But what did this mean for his disciples? On the day of Pentecost, that is exactly what happened. And the book of Acts describes the spectacular moment that the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and the believers who were all gathered in the upper room. We see that Peter proceeded to preach his first sermon, explaining who Jesus was and the significance of what had happened to him. Then he called them to repent, to turn to Jesus for salvation. And that day, 3,000 people believed and were saved. Here's the staggering truth. We are not alone, but through the unlimited Spirit of God who comes to be with us, but also live in us, Jesus is personally present all of the time. He is our strength and he is our comfort. And we are not on our walk alone. We're not on our walk alone, but he comes to empower us and to seek out his great commission and to work in our lives. So right now, I'd like for us just to take a step back and look at the great commission. I want to encourage you that Jesus is with you. That you should go to Jesus and that we should study his mission. Why not make a list of people that you know? This might be people at work. This might be your family. It might be your friendship circle, your neighborhood, who do not know Christ as yet. And then pray for them, maybe on your own, or if you was being encouraged within a prayer triplet, or even in a small group. Maybe that's what you might be encouraged to do. Now, in rounding this up, I'd like to invite the band up. You know, sometimes it's really hard to hear a message like that because we could feel guilty that we're not sharing the gospel as we feel like we should be or we compare ourselves. And I don't want anyone to feel like that. But as I said, maybe you want to make a list of the names of the people who you'd like to reach. Or imagine what it would look like to see that person you've been praying for respond to Jesus in a meaningful way and have their life transformed. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Because we know that with God, all things are possible. Now, I'd like us just to take a little time here just to reflect. And we might just want to open up our hearts to what God might be doing or God might be saying even now. For some of us, it might be our prayer this morning that, Lord, you give me boldness to share my story and the work that you've done in my life. Or some of us here, it might be prayer for more opportunities. Lord, would you create more opportunities for me to share my story of what you've done in my life and your story of who you are. For others in the room, it might be a prayer that, God, you give us a fresh heart of compassion and love for those who do not know you yet. For some of us in the room, you know, God has already been gently nudging us. 
with a specific group or a specific demographic of people that you have a passion for. It's unexplainable. You felt the twinge, the touch of his Holy Spirit. You know, this may be locally or this may be internationally. For some of our international students, you might be going back to your places where you have come from. And you feel like a deep passion. Or you want to have a renewed sense of passion for the gospel and sharing the gospel. I want to invite us all to rise to our feet. And maybe with our eyes closed and our heads bowed. For some people in the room, it may be that you're already doing this. And you know what? Praise God that he's doing that. I pray for more of his spirit to flow in and through you. But for those of us who are in the room, the Holy Spirit isn't here to make us feel guilty, but actually he's here to encourage you. And I want to encourage you that Jesus is the source of our mission. And the goal of this mission is to see lives transform. And that his presence is the power behind the mission. It's not only in our own strength. If some of the things I've mentioned today uh, sit with you and you feel like, yeah, that, that's me, Lord. Um, I want to encourage you maybe to put your hands in front of you as a sign of response. And I'll pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus, your son. Without him, Lord God, where would we be? But you welcomed us into your family. You paid the ultimate price that we might be free, but not just for us, but for the world around us. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a renewed enthusiasm that you would give us strength and wisdom in sharing your good news. I pray specifically for some of those who are in the room who have felt your nudge and felt like you stirring up passion in them for a particular group or a particular demographic of people. Lord, will you give them the confidence to go as they make themselves available? I pray for some of those of us who are comparing ourselves Will you just remind some of us in here that we are not to compare ourselves? But Lord, you use us in our locality, wherever we find ourselves. You're not here to judge, but you're here to release us. I pray, Lord, that we would walk out of this meeting, this building, with a renewed sense of your gospel, of who you are, and how you've come to save the lost. Lord, we just present ourselves before you. Know that we're not going in our own strength. We're not going in our own authority, but the authority that you give. Jesus, we surrender to you this day. In your name, amen. Amen. But the band, they're going to lead us in our final song. Uh, if you are in the room and you would like, you know, some further prayer, 
if anything resonated with you, you could come and see myself or Phil or Emily or Wendy. And, you know, we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you. Be blessed.